Welcome to episode 261. You are where you meet. Today, we're looking at what the research says about the environments we create at church and how it helps to make people feel they're at home. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 261 of the Reclaim Leader. I am Jason Tucker here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? We're here, man. Let's do it. We're talking shop, church leadership, life as a congregation. How do we do effective ministry in the post-pandemic world? All the other things that we could throw at that. But we're um, we're always trying to figure out how do we do things well. How do we meet people where they are? How do we create spaces and environments that welcome people in and how do we how do we help them get to know how much God loves them, find community, discover uh, more about uh, who Jesus is, what he means for their lives? So, other, I mean, we want to talk shop about church. And there are some topics that I think at first glance, you're like, OK, obviously. And one of this is one of those today, I think, where we're going to talk about something that may seem obvious, but how often have you walked into a church building or an environment, either at your own church or someone else's and gone, ooh, this could use some work. Uh, and I think it's just a really important conversation. So I'm glad that you brought this to our attention today, Jason. I look forward to diving into some conversation about the physical spaces or the environments that we create. Yeah. And this is in tandem with Barna's report, the for volume one of the report that they just released. Uh, it's a report called Making Space. It's a three-part report. And they just dropped this first part that's all about space or sort of church space as inspirational. That's kind of the theme. And they're doing some research. They're showing what they found about uh, basically between people that go to church or don't go to church and everybody and how they feel about sacred spaces. What are the environments that they feel most comfortable in to talk about deep emotional things? And I think all of this is really good uh, sort of fodder for thinking about how are we as churches creating meaningful environments that are drawing people into relationship with one another and with Jesus. So I was thinking back at, you know, what were my first church experiences? I know, Jesse, you were raised in church and uh, I wasn't, so I had limited church experience, but the two that stick out in my mind was my stepdad, uh, Paul, who was a lapsed Catholic, you know, he he never really went to mass, but he would go on Christmas Eve and he would take me. And it was like traveling to Mars to me. Like I had no, I really had no idea what was going on. But I will say this. I found it very appealing and inspirational. I didn't know why. It got me in the quote unquote Christmas spirit. And, you know, I was a little kid, but it felt like there was something deeper, something meaningful. And the thing that did it in the space was like the architecture of this big Catholic cathedral, right? And and the the statues of the saints. And it, it, I remember sitting in there just sort of like, wow, this is, there's something big going on here. So it definitely like this space uh, provoked a sense of awe in me, even though I didn't really know what exactly that was guided towards. On the other hand, I also wondered why in my limited cathedral experience, it it felt so intimidating. It it felt like, you know, you come in the room and it's like, you can't talk. 
got to be quiet. God is sleeping. You know, I don't I don't know. Why, why do you got to be so quiet? I mean, God doesn't like loud noises. You don't want to, don't want to move too fast. But, you know, the idea that respect and reverence are things that only happen in the quiet were something that were communicated in that environment without saying it, right? People talk at a whisper. They listen. They're reverent. They're, um, their heads are down a lot. You know, so fast forward to my mother who worked in a pre- preschool in a Methodist church. Again, we had no really religious affiliation other than that was the location. But that place was like my second home. They had a gym in there. I spent so many hours just shooting buckets, bored out of my mind on summer vacation while mom was teaching, um, running around all levels of the church like it's my backyard. And I never felt like I had to be quiet. Both were church spaces. Both had very different impacts on me. And I guess the question is why? What does that mean when we think of how human beings react to different spaces, especially church spaces? So I don't know. Can you think back into like sort of different church spaces that you've been in and what that what that did for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about um, I grew up in a very familiar sort of um, similar experience to your Methodist church that you were there for a while where we would play hide and go seek in the church. We'd crawl under the pews. It was our gymnasium. It's a small community church in a small town. And my dad was the pastor. So there's probably way too much permission or ownership of this space. I'm sure that caused issues sometimes. Bill, church was always a, a place where I could I could be me, almost to the, um, a fault at times, probably. And then, um, though, getting into my college years and doing some traveling to Europe and other places, and you walk in to these amazing cathedrals and that same sense of awe, of reverence, of uh, sort of just the echoing of your footstep on the on the, the pavers in the sanctuary or whatever it was. And it just sort of this amazing sense of, wow, this is, um, this is something incredible that I'm here and, or going to Christmas mass with, uh, my own father-in-law and, uh, those kinds of things. And so I've had something similar of an experience where some spaces, uh, kind of pull you towards more, a, a sense of awe, reverence, um, in that sort of mindset. And others were just so familiar, almost to the point where there was little that was sacred left about that space um, because it was so familiar. So I don't know if that makes sense, but those are kind of resonate with some of what you experienced just in a little bit different way. Yeah. So uh, what Barna does, they there's, they're asking the question in this sort of first volume of the report, it's what is it, how do the spaces we create in churches inspire people? How, What's the relationship between how we're feeling sort of emotionally, spiritually, and the space that we are occupying? Um, From the report, the report's called Making Space. And the data shows that less than half of Christians, 47%, think their church is inviting to visitors. I I found that that was an interesting, it's actually a pretty self-aware stat that many would kind of understand, yeah, this really... The environments we've created don't seem to really have the visitor in mind. They seem to have the the insider in mind. And I know that happens kind of accidentally, right? It's just everybody's sort of preferences rule. And you're not always thinking about things from an outside perspective because you've been inside for so long. What's that phrase? Uh, time in erodes awareness of. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. We always uh, think in terms of how do we get to a place where we're assuming everyone knows the information we hope to communicate? And we we go, wait a minute, 
Why don't we start with a different assumption? This Sunday is somebody's first time. What if we started with that assumption instead of everybody should just know because they've been here? So I think there's a couple of ways to look at that one. But yeah, we forget sometimes to look at it with fresh eyes or with the visitor eyes. That makes sense. So the fact that uh, people answered that and thought of their churches going, you know what, maybe maybe this is an area where we're not thinking in terms of visitors. Yeah. And then for pastors, you know, a lot of the research that's come out of the pandemic is that, and again, uh, Barna points this out in their book, Growing Together, where two in five, 39% um, of active Christians say they are are not engaged in discipleship community. Hmm. 39%. I mean, that's a huge number to me of active followers of Jesus. The most engaged people are saying, 39% 39% are saying they're not engaged in discipleship community. And pastors are kind of struggling with how do we, you know, retain members, help them grow spiritually, equip them for mission? How do we disciple people? And what's the role of church spaces in all of this? I think it's an interesting question. I don't know if there's a straightforward answer. I think there are many multiple answers. Uh, Here's some more data before we sort of jump into that stuff. Again, this is directly from the report. And if you ever go to Barna's website, the way that you, you, this is behind a paywall. Uh, It's not very expensive, but it is a subscription and and you get these reports as they come out. I find it really helpful to just sort of think, you know, because there's what you're seeing in real time in your congregation, but it's cool to see, oh, wow, this is actually part of what a lot of pastors are seeing. And I think it helps you frame it and sort of attack each situation as it comes. But uh, here's some more data. It says that visiting spiritual or transcendent places is not very common. About one in three adults, 31%, says they regularly visit a place they consider transcendent. The definition that they're using there is just a a place where you feel a sense beyond the physical world, something that is, uh, you know, above and beyond. That would be transcendent. And you know, they're finding that even self-identified Christians, only 37% say that they regularly visit a transcendent place, which is interesting. Um, you know, I think, again, that experience as a kid in church at the Catholic Church, I would have defined that as a transcendent place, but not a not a close place, not a place where I felt connected with God or with other people. But I did feel it was an important place of presence which is interesting, right? I don't know what to make of that. I think that there's something important in that. On the other hand, it did not draw me into God. Right. So there's if there's no connection between the transcendence and then how it impacts me personally or how I feel in a more intimate or close way, maybe there's something missing. And I think, didn't we have that whole shift where we went from these big, ornate cathedral-type sanctuaries that were beautiful and amazing to now a warehouse with yeah. none of that? And screens and dark and a stage. And we sort of took the transcendence out of the architecture because perhaps because of the, yes, it's transcendent, but how is it personal to me? How is it? Right. It's distant. Yeah. Transcendent, but distant. We went transcendent and, and, and moved towards imminent. Like God is close. God is your friend. God is right there with you in Christ, which is good. And yet I wonder if, uh, in, in doing that and creating sort of what we might call the warehouse church mindset, if something of the transcendent then is lost, that was important. Uh, and so I don't know what, what, I don't have a conclusion on that either. Other than I wonder if there's a way for us 
to create space for people that is both transcendent and close at the same time. I, you know, I think maybe that would be whatever that environment is. Why wouldn't that be something to aim for? Yeah. And interestingly, again, this is from the report says there seems to be a deep desire for peaceful spaces. A sense of peace or calm is what U.S. adults feel makes a space spiritual or transcendent. Yeah, and just pause right here on that. I think I was just having a really fascinating conversation with a, a couple of folks who are also leaders in the church. We were talking about what is the good news of the gospel right now. And, well, good, good news, you know, in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have a life with God that lasts forever. And, yes, that, you know, God so loved the world that he sent his son. But what really is good news is— uh, also, the peace, comfort, calm, the presence of God amidst the storms, uh, amidst the anxiety and fears and worries, a place just to rest. Like, good news. Jesus invites you to find your rest in him. Like, I think that really is good news, and it resonates with this. People want a place amidst the tumultuousness of culture to rest, to be at peace, to find moments of calm. And I think you can create that in a whole variety of environments from the cathedral to, to the most familiar, uh, uh, smaller, you know, less fancy sanctuaries. You can, you can create that sense of peace and calm. Yeah. And uh, answers, the most popular answers for what makes a place transcendent or, 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 or what is a transcendent place for all U.S. Americans, not just church people. Number one is nature. 70% said nature. Number two said church. 62%. All U.S. Americans, believers and non-believers alike. Fascinating. Yeah. So there's right? an opportunity there, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in fact, U.S. adults tend to experience a variety of positive emotions in church, feeling peaceful, 47%, connected to God, 42%, safe, 40%, feeling in awe, 11%, valued, 20%, included, 21%, at home, 22%, connected to others, 23%. So on and so forth. In his article, We're Only Human, uh, the report says, Arranging for Serenity, scientific journalist Ray Herbert describes how space, thought, and emotion can intersect. Reporting on research into what psychologists call psychological distance, he explains, Our sense of emotional connectedness, or lack of it, is tightly entangled with our perception of geography and patterns in space. In other words, how we feel can influence how close or distant we want to be from something or someone, whether emotionally or physically. So space isn't just about the space. It's about what is that space communicating to you? Totally. And we know right? this anytime we choose a paint color for a room in our house or decorating or any of that, we're trying to go for like some sort of environment that causes our blood pressure to go down when we walk into it or whatever. And we know when there's something in us that knows when it's not quite right. And, or we walk into a space that's not thought of carefully or and it's just sort of there and it doesn't create that that's that experience. And so we kind of know this intuitively, but it's nice to know that there's sort of some scientific reasoning behind it to, that goes, yeah, no, there really is a connection between our emotions and what we're feeling and the spaces that we're in that um, certain spaces lend themselves to that uh, more than others. What's interesting, this thought just occurred to me. Um, so in our church, we have our traditional and our contemporary services, and they, they're in the same sanctuary. We do some things between services to transform the environment a bit. I, I wonder, I'm just kind of wondering out loud, is there anything to the fact that we're in a 
like a formal room with an informal um, environment stuffed in the middle of it. I wonder if that's one of the factors in its appeal. Do you get some of the sense of awe from the formality of the room and then get a sense of the closeness to God through the other things we do with the environment, with the lights and video and all those other things? I don't know. I don't know, but it, I mean, the thought occurred to me, maybe that is something that's appealing to folks. Yeah. It kind of brings those two worlds together in some yeah. way. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what in the world does this have to do with the church? <laughs> right. So, I mean, as pastors, we're trying to make our congregations better. We understand the importance of space and environment. So how does this play out in the context of church? Yeah. Well, again, the report says, a transcendent environment doesn't have to be grand, exotic, or overtly spiritual, the survey respondents suggested. But it needs to have, the number one thing it needs to have, according to the results, is a sense of peace or calm. Julian Lawson said, a well-designed church that is connected to their mission, vision, and purpose will benefit the ministry. Connecting people upon entry and making it evident who you are and what is important to you gives both visitors and regular attendees clarity. This clarity can be infused in every detail of your church from seating to lighting to wall design. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. One of part of our, so we have a, a, a vision, a mission statement here at Marine View and the leading part of our mission is creating environments where people are mobilized to go deeper with Jesus and reach wider with his love. But creating environments is a key part of that language on purpose what is the environment we're creating in our relationships, in our ministry uh, settings, in our physical space, with the way we create permission for people, with the content that we provide? Um, what are we communicating about our environment? And for us, including physical spaces on that was really important as a value because we want our physical spaces to communicate our desire for people to go deeper with Jesus and reach wider with his love. Is it helping that or is it getting in the way of that? Is it facilitating yeah. community or is it making, uh, is there a cognitive dissonance because we're saying one thing and yet our physical spaces are a mess or don't, you know, whatever, um, don't communicate that. So we're going to dive into that a little bit, right? We want to yeah. look at some things that we'll you get to some solutions. thought of and uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. We're trying to create a vibe, as my kids would say. <laughs> nice. Dad, dad, I'm, dad, it's a vibe. It's just a vibe. <laughs> I'm like, what What are you even talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know many of you speak middle schooler out there, but I just know that lit is good. Uh, bet means sure, let's do it. Right. And uh, cap means it's not true. I, that, those are the very few bits of middle school language that I have picked up. <laughs> the constantly uh, evolving language. Yeah, the constantly evolving language. But anyway, it's a vibe. Dad, dad, it's a vibe. We're just vibing. We were vibing. Uh, what were you guys doing? We were vibing. Um, all right. I guess that's a good thing. But thinking about like what environments do that for you? Yeah. What is it about an environment that you feel safe and comfortable and peaceful and joyful or or you feel close to people? What are some of the common denominators of that? Um, I just think about what are environments that that I enjoy? What does it feel like? What opens me up in conversation? So if I feel a sense that um, it's a non-threatening environment, it's very calm, it's it's casual, not formal, there's probably coffee involved, uh, there's probably lighting that isn't the parochial overhead fluorescent 
tubes. Uh, there's maybe some texture. There's a warmth to the room or to the space. And, and then it's the, the people and how they are interacting with me is, are they equally, um, do I feel like I, I get them? Right. Does this feel like a safe place where I can be myself and open up? I think there's so many factors that go into it, but I, I do think you could start nailing down what are, what are places that are a little more inviting than others. And, and I think these are the things we need to think about when it comes to life in the church. The last yeah. bit of the serve of the, uh, research that I'll share with you is to dig deeper into how where we are affects what we do and vice versa. Barna showed respondents a list of several social and emotional topics and asked, where would you feel comfortable having this conversation? Overwhelmingly, across all demographics, it was a home. Because a home can feel personal and comfortable and uh, relatable. So how do we incorporate this into how we think about church spaces? It needs to, in some way, feel like home to people. So we've got four kind of buckets that we want to talk about that ways that you can sort of translate this into your church. These are things we're talking about right now in our church. Jesse, I'm sure you're having these conversations yeah. all the time. Yeah. But the first is this. You need to have soft landings for people. Soft landings. What do I mean? Well, I mean, you need to have a friendly, welcoming atmosphere for whoever your target audience is. I know that sounds, uh, maybe it doesn't sound spiritual, I have a target audience, but you just think about like, who are the people that we're trying to serve? What are the felt needs? How should that drive the environment that we're trying to create? So for example, we have, um, I know many churches do like a check-in system for Sunday school. We do too. It's for security reasons. We've gone through many iterations of this because we can't quite get it to work. We finally found a spot in the church that seems to be working. But it is the least kid-friendly spot I can imagine. Like we spent all these resources making these great kids' environments. And at the check-in, it's literally a hallway that used to be a receptionist desk with one of those glass partitions that goes across. And it's as stiff as a board, right? And so this is our big welcome spot where everybody's lining up to register their kids. So we're thinking about we're going to wall up uh, the reception area. We're going to put our big... Uh, graphics logo for the next gen ministries. We're going to do something maybe with the floor. We're definitely going to put some new paint on the walls. We got to liven that up because what are the felt needs? The felt needs is people are walking in with their kids. What's that space communicating? It's not communicating, hey, wow, they really knock it out of the park with kids ministry. Boy, they're ready for my kids to come to Sunday school today. Boy, I'd never been here, but they seem to have their act together with this is going to be a great place for the kids. It communicates none of that. So, how do we communicate that? That's creating a soft landing for parents with kids in Sunday school, particularly new parents uh, to the church taking their kids to Sunday school. Yeah, we we have a lot of those same conversations, and one of the keys for us is is it cl- clear and obvious where to go if you have kids right when you walk through the front door? Like, can they see it from everywhere or at least find a sign that points them where they need to go? And then one of the other keys for us is including signage that makes it clear and obvious where they're supposed to go. And then creating a warm, friendly space around the check-in area is having people standing out in front rather than behind a desk or a table. We want them 
out with people in a relational way where they can kneel, you know, kind of squat down and talk to the kid and welcome them and stand up, back up and talk to the parents. So there's the physical part, but then there's also the relational thing that then jives with that space and makes it uh, come alive too. So from the minute you walk in, I want it to be clear, obvious. If they can't find it and ask someone, you don't just point, you walk with them over. Uh, we're creating hospitality warmth that way. So a soft landing, I think, includes some relational pieces inside of the physical environment that we've, yeah. we've thought of. And so I think those things go together. And you can, you can bridge the gap if you have great people. Totally. So, yeah. so in other words, let's say, hey, you know, we really want to do something with this hallway that's going to be the new check-in area. We don't quite have the funds yet. But you know, if we have like three or four of our best people there, it's going to overcome the space for as long as we need it to, right? And then yeah. if you can add both, that could be a real wow kind of soft landing yeah. for people. So I think two things we've done with the kids stuff too is um, we have a separate line for check-ins uh, of our regular folks and then new registrants because uh, when someone's new, they start to feel stressed because they're filling out, you know, the thing that, you know, onboards their kids and there's people standing behind them. So we're like, how can we make that less stressful? So we just added another spot for them to do that. And then we thought, how can we just make it really clear for new people? What exactly is going to happen with their kids, what to do, where to go. So we just have quick talking points about this is what happens. It's going to be so much fun. You guys are going to have a blast after the service. This is what you do. Um, your kid's going to be right down here. I can show you the space if that would make you more comfortable. Like just trying to help, again, soft landing. Don't make them have to wonder or guess or have uncertainty as much as possible. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like inviting someone into your home onto the landing. Yeah, right? the bathroom's around the corner there. Feel right? free to help yourself to a drink you from the fridge. You can smell the food in the kitchen, yeah, but that's not ready. where you serve it. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's totally. Creating yeah. a warm entry. Yeah, okay. I like it. Soft so landings. soft landings. The second is how do you make a space conversational? Again, sort of like I was alluding to, it's a place that's got to feel warm. And I know that's sort of like fuzzy. That doesn't, how do you nail that down or how do you describe it? I think it's just asking yourself the question, like what, what makes me feel like I, a, a warm welcome when I yeah. walk into a room? Totally. You know, yeah. and, and just start asking questions about your environments. Hey, when people walk in here, do you think they feel comfortable? Or do you think they feel a, a little bit, um, you know, put off or nervous? Or maybe like, uh, geez, I didn't, I didn't dress well enough or, right? What are, what are each of these places saying? And you could accomplish a lot by brewing some coffee, right? Coffee's got that really great, uh, smell. If you're not a coffee drinker, it, it can really fill up a room with something. You could also do candles, right? That that can, I guess, just don't go too crazy on the uh, <laughs> on the flower scents, you know. But right. <laughs> you could accomplish a lot by buying a couple of light fixtures, yep. uh, getting a couple of plants, even if they're fake plants, textures, things, things to warm up the space, things that you would do for your living room. And think about it that way. You've just invited onto the landing, and now it's hey, come on in and have a seat. Yeah, I think that's so spot on. You want a place that kind of pulls people in, invites them to come and spend time. And so when we redid our kind of our what we call our fellowship area right outside the sanctuary, it's actually pretty large space. And so we went around to some other churches and places to try to get inspiration for how do we design that space. And we hired actually hired an, an interior designer to help us think about traffic flow and textures and colors 
because when you get those things right, it creates a warmth and an, in, an invitation that if you just kind of put some odds and ends together, a few tables and chairs and things, that's fine. It's functional. But does it does it communicate something like come and stay a while? And so we we thought really long and hard about that. And we found a great church uh, not too far away from us that we thought was they did it really well. And we said, can we come meet with you? Pick your brains. Can we uh, steal some of your ideas? And they were like, absolutely. So uh, I think learn from others that you feel like are doing it well, or think of other spaces where that's happening that you resonate with, whether it's a coffee shop or somewhere like that and go, what is it about that environment? How can we draw inspiration from it? Um, so there's things like conversation piece, pieces. Are you going to put some chotskis in there to like create some conversation pieces? No, we're talking about places where people want to come and stay a while and uh, where a natural conversation will flow out of that. And I think you're insightful about um, the, the, the smell in the room, like a coffee, I think along with that, having a little bit of music underneath, if you can, yeah. uh, it sets a tone for the environment that, um, uh, I think helps fill up the space a little bit. And again, makes it warmer. Um, and all those little pieces add up and you know it when you're in it and you go, yeah, this is it. So, um, working towards that again, it creates a great experience for people that are coming in and then for your own people. Uh, to hang out and spend time together. Absolutely. And and I don't mean getting as creepy as some of the uh, marketing experts get with like you go into a store and they have a certain scent because they know that it's like the scent of wanting to buy stuff. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But they <laughs> there's like a whole like uh, study of this that uh, businesses use. But it's really just like, how do I help people feel at home? All right. So conversational. The third is, and this requires hardly any money, Making sure the environment is clean. Making sure it's clean. Every environment communicates something, especially dirty ones. What does a dirty environment convey? It doesn't matter that much. Or we weren't expecting you. Right? Um, we don't, yeah, we don't care as much as maybe we should. And, and it's stuff that people notice right away. I mean, listen, you wouldn't have people come over to your house unless you're like super good friends and you're over like every other night. You wouldn't have them come over without cleaning. I mean, geez, I just remember like my mother making me clean my closet when we had like, why am I cleaning my closet? No one's going to see my closet. It's just like everything had to be clean when guests were coming over. I, I got to tell you, that's one of the things I see when I go to other churches and consult with them is I, you know, I do, I check out all the rooms. I look around. And may you be surprised at how many things can just, you know, just do some dusting, just do some cleaning, just mop the floor a little bit. Uh, it's amazing what you're accidentally communicating. Yeah. And and there's really no no reason you can't have a clean yeah, environment. But it's I, not something we always think of. I think, and I wonder if part of it is too, is you run out of energy for it, maybe in a, in a certain congregation, or uh, you're you're struggling to keep a space clean because you don't have maybe the volunteer force that you once had, or the ability to pay for a janitor, or some of those things that kind of maybe gone missing, and over time it just has be it's in the state that it's in and, and you become used to it, but somebody else notices it right away. And I think that's one of those things, again, um, with a little bit of, of intention, you can walk around and think about what if we put a fresh coat of paint in this room? What if we, you know, it took some time to really clean out our spaces and just communicate to the people that are coming. We were excited that you're coming we're glad you're here. And I think this is one of those those areas where you don't have to have the fanciest brand new building, 
but it does need to feel cared for. It does need to say to people, this matters to us and we steward it well. And so when it's not clean, when the paint's peeling off the wall or it's clear that it hasn't been done in 20 years, it just says to people, this, this is not that important to you. And, um, so I think there's something, kind of some conviction that we need to walk around our spaces and go, does this place, this space feel cared for? Does it feel like we're preparing for people to be here or is it an afterthought? And remember why this matters. This is the thing that I don't want to lose sight of. We're in this season of our culture where people are desperate to connect with God and connect with others. They may not know it's God they're trying to connect with, but everybody's, we've all been through the ringer the last few years, right? And But I think there's a real opportunity, we've been talking about it, to, to reach people in the midst of all of this. And part of reaching people is meeting them where they are, helping them say yes all the way till the point that they get confronted with the gospel of Jesus. And hopefully they say yes to that. But we don't want them to be turned away or not comfortable or not open to receive the meal, right? All of this is uh, a way of getting them to be prepared to receive, truly receive Jesus in their lives. And um, I, I all of this matters, in my opinion. So yeah. everything communicates something, making sure everything's clean, just saying, hey, they're prepared for me, especially, yeah. and I'll just d- double down on this, especially your nursery. Yeah. Listen, those toys, they can't be from the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> they can't, yeah. they can't, they have to look like they've been cleaned within the last couple of weeks. And have some cleaning materials clearly visible. Have some hand sanitizer right there. I think people, um, when they see that, even if your stuff is not brand new, they go, oh, they're wiping these things down. This matters to them. Maybe even have a little statement about how you clean the toys every week, um, that kind of thing. And I would even say this is getting really specific, but even when you're thinking about... um, Make sure that the chairs are all pushed in. Make sure that the, the furniture is reorganized after an event, um, uh, that things are picked up, that the trash is emptied. Like there's all these little things. I think when I walk into a space and I see like 10 coffee cups in the trash that are a carryover from another event with some napkins and maybe a, a plate with a half-eaten cookie on it or something, I go, oh, they didn't. They didn't empty the trash. Like the, all those little things, maybe this is crazy pastor land where I look around and I'm like <laughs> over obsessed with it a little bit, but it really does matter that people go, oh, they're attentive. They're expecting me. They're prepared. They, this is, this is, um, they're really good at taking care of their stuff, you know? So anyway, I do think this is a really important one that we don't dismiss this. If you go, well, I don't know, clean, that seems unimportant, but it's crucial. Yeah. All right. Last bucket. Thoughtful. Is the environment thoughtful? Uh, what do I mean by that? Did Do I walk in and I discover that they've already thought about meeting my needs before I came in the room? One of the biggest things we, I was talking about before we hit record was, you know, we've we've had a lot of funerals lately. And one of the things that we get the most positive feedback on is we put out boxes of Kleenex and little mini bottles of water in the pews. I mean, it's not a huge deal. Simple. But we, we get a lot of people are like, wow, that was so nice of you that you thought of that. My big wow experience of that was going to North Point for the first time and going into their bathrooms. And they had this like entire thing set up that had like mouthwash and mints and, (laughs) you know, all cologne. It was like like going into a fancy hotel, but just for their guests. But 
But I came away there like, wow, they really thought about me, even mm-hmm. just, you know, in whenever I was going to the bathroom, you know, that it's amazing what things like that will communicate. Mm-hmm. Are your environments thoughtful? Do you think about what people's needs are? Yeah. Right. I, I just love think that. that's a huge question. Well, I think the classic example for me is always Disney and, and how far you have to walk to get to a garbage can. It's never more than five steps in any direction. You know, it's things where you're going, I'm thinking about the experience of the people who are coming and I want to be thoughtful to help them have a great experience, be set up for success, know where to go, feel welcome. I mean, there's a whole bunch that goes on in environment. And I think it is as important as the sermons we preach, the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the conversations we have, the environment matters immensely. And God can work in spite of our poor environments and we don't always get it right, right? That's not the point. But God can't overcome it. (laughs) Right. Can we create an environment that facilitates something of uh, a, a, a space in which people feel welcomed at home, ready to engage with God and each other in a deeper way. And I think that is a valuable and crucial uh, conversation to be having with your teams and with your church leadership. Yeah, it's it's the same reason why you want in the worship service, you want the music to be as good as possible. Not because it's a performance, but you know, if the music's really bad, it'll be a distraction yeah. and take away from the moment of worship. Yeah. And the other thing I would add is it should feel like you yeah. You know, it should feel like your church, your your people, your congregation. It should be authentic to to you. And again, I talked about going and getting inspiration from another local church. We didn't just copy what they did. We adapted it for for our setting and who we are and what felt re- like home for us. And I think we don't want to just like North Point's awesome, but if you like put you know mouthwash at, at Tower Hill, I'm people would be like, you know, what like- what is happening? <laughs> I don't know if that would be authentic for you guys or not, but. Uh, you would just be telling people they have bad breath, I guess, is what you communicate about that. But but is it authentic to you? And so yeah. think of the space that you would want to come to, to be involved in. What would reflect your congregation and who you are? And then um, work hard to create that and be attentive to it because the spaces we create uh, do matter. Well, I hope this is helpful to everyone just thinking about spaces in the church because there's always, I mean, listen, we're coming to a really important time of year when our environments might matter more than ever. And that's making sure we're ready for the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. So, to you know, do it once over. Take your volunteers, take your elders, take your teams out, encourage them to take a look at your spaces, make sure that they are optimized for people to connect and to make them feel at home because home is the place where people want to have the most meaningful conversations. So yeah. Uh, again, uh, if you ever want to reach out and talk shop, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. Anything, Jesse, before we sign off for this week? You know, there's so much more to say on this topic. And the last, I'll just add one more thought that that came to my mind. Thinking back when you mentioned walking through with your elders and all that. It is invigorating to the whole congregation when you're attentive to your spaces it doesn't have to be dramatic, expensive ways, but when you care for your spaces and invite people to think about this conversation, how do we create a space that we'd all want to be and guests would want to be? That's actually invigorating for people too. And it breathes some life into the congregation and there's a morale boost that comes. And I think there's just a lot, there's so many layers to this, but it, there's a lot that happens when we are attentive and thoughtful about our spaces. So uh, I'm really appreciate you bringing this topic up today, Jason. And like Jason said, we're, we're always up to talk shop. It's what, why we started this whole conversation a long time ago was to, to talk with uh, each other, but also with other Others that are trying to work these things out in real time in the local church. So uh, we're rooting for you. 
keep going. Um, we're, we're in this thing together. That's it. Ministry is hard. It's so much better when we do it together. Take care, everyone. Bye.